The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the fighter versus the rider. It is a new year. It is 2023. I'm Damon Martin. He is Matt, the immortal Brown. Matt, how is your new year? How is your holiday? We took a week off from the podcast to kind of celebrate the holidays and take a break from this crazy MMA game and uh, just kind of relax. How was, uh, how was your holiday? It was amazing, man. Went snowboarding and uh, the kids went skiing. I was snowboarding and uh, just, yeah, what a great time, man. So um, it's amazing going out there and just getting out on the mountains and not thinking about nothing, hanging with the kids for a few days and um, had a great one myself, man. What about you? Good. Relaxing. That was the main thing. Relaxing. Took some days off. Didn't have to uh, do much work and just kind of took some time off, which was nice because you don't get a lot of break during the year. You know, you don't get a lot of breaks from from everything else going on in the world. So it was kind of nice taking some time. Now, how is how is Matt Brown the snowboarder? I'm trying to envision you on a snowboard <laughs> right now. Like, how is Matt Brown the snowboarder? So I've, I always snowboard with my kids. So, you know, I just chill, man. Now my boys, they're getting older. So they're starting to do like jumps and, um, they hit the train park and things like that. So, um, they're getting pretty savage and they fly down the mountains, like nothing, you know? Um, but my daughter, now she's seven. So this was the first time she went skiing. So even though I went out to, to go snowboard and go relax and hang out on the mountains, it was not relaxing at all, man. What I ended up doing, you know, teaching her how to ski, you know, so we're on the bunny hill and I'm walking up and down the bunny hill 30 times, you know, like trying to run with her and help her not fall down and picking her up when she does and trying to teach her the whole time. So there was no relaxation whatsoever until finally um, the third day she picked it up. And we we're going down some green trails and we were relaxing and having a great time. And, and, um, I'll tell you what, man, it's for me, 
having kids, it's one of the most amazing things ever watching them do something that they were her personally, she was scared to do it, you know, very nervous about going out there and then watching her overcome that and um, just go hit something that she was just so scared to do, man, like it's such a fulfilling thing and um, ended up for being a great time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm like snowboarding and skiing is like one of those activities where I'm like, I guarantee I'd hit a tree. Like I know my luck. Like I would 100% hit a tree or something. Like I would 100, yeah, 100%. I would crash, break something. Like there's no way I'm walking away from that activity unscathed. Like there's just no way. Well, the first like couple of days, anyone does it, they don't come away unscathed. <laughs> like it's a, it's a fucking painful process learning. Uh, I remember the first day I went snowboarding and just you fall every like five feet and it's so hard to get up. Like, you know, your feet are both attached to this thing and, um, you know, you're hitting your butt, you're hitting your wrist. Like, dude, it's just miserable, man. But once you get it down, it's it's freaking amazing, bro. Yeah, I I used to love to go sledding as a kid. That was fun. But I don't know, standing <laughs> standing on a sled, uh, standing on a snowboard just does not sound like fun to me. But well, you you can come out with this and get tubing. Yeah, I'll do that. I would do that for sure. That would be fun. I would 100% do that. I don't know if you're ever going to get me on a pair of skis, though. Like I said, I guarantee I'd go into a tree. Uh, so, Matt, uh, we are looking ahead now. It is officially 2023. It is officially the new year. And last year we did this podcast. Um, it was a blast. What we're doing today is we're going to look ahead and do a preview of the entire 2023 calendar. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at every division in the UFC Talk about the current champion who is reigning in that particular division. Who is the biggest threat to that champion and uh, who we believe is going to be champion at the end of the year and just kind of have a discussion division by division in the UFC because obviously some title fights are already made. We know that we've got uh, Devis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno coming up here in January. We've got Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill fighting in January. We've got Islam Makachev fighting Alexander Volkanovsky coming up in uh, February. Uh, they're going to crown an interim featherweight champion with Josh Emmett taking on Yair Rodriguez. Uh, we've got a lot of rumors going on with March with, you know, potential fights with Aljamain Sterling and, and Henry Cejudo. Of course, Leon Edwards potentially doing his trilogy with uh, with uh, Kamar Usman. So some title fights are kind of already out there. But we're going to talk about each division and kind of get into what we think about the division, the champion, who's the biggest threat, and all those kind of questions. And I, I don't feel there's a better way to kick it off, Matt, than kind of talk about the division that in a weird way kind of got forgotten a lot in 2022 and that's the heavyweight division because the current champion francis Ngannou, fought in january unfortunately blew his knee out and so he got his he got his surgery in march he's still been out of action we know he hasn't you know inked a new contract with the ufc or at least we haven't heard about him inking a new contract for the ufc so right now we're going to kind of pretend that francis is coming back we have to hope that that's going to happen uh but otherwise that was the end of the heavyweight division was last january it's basically been a year since that title's been defended we haven't really heard much about it and uh I don't know. It's a weird one, right? Like, it, it, like it's the biggest division, both, you know, in reality, but also like everyone cares about heavyweight, but it's kind of been forgotten for the past year. Yeah. And now with, uh, I think the only talk in the last year that was really made it a, a large conversation or, or a mainstream conversation was John Jones going up there. They weren't even talking about anybody else fighting in Ghana, really. Um, you know, and I think everybody's excited to see what John can do up there. Right. Absolutely. Well, let me, because I said, let's assume Francis resigns. Let's actually, let's not assume yeah. that because, you know, we're dealing with the situation now where the guy is at free agency. He, he's you know in contract negotiations. And listen, 
it, to me, it's in the UFC's best interest to keep Francis Ngannou. I, you know, I think this guy is he has huge star potential, incredible story. If you have you ever met Francis or talked to Francis before? No, I so haven't. He, he's like the but, nicest guy ever. Like literally the nicest guy ever. Really engaging. Um, he's a guy you build around. Like you know, he's got all the right intangibles. Nice guy. You know, doesn't get in trouble. You know, he's not the kind of guy who's going to go out and get in headlines for all the wrong reasons. He doesn't say things just to make headlines. Again, this is a guy you build it, and you know, he's got the kind of power that will knock people into the third row when he hits them. So he's like the perfect, you know, amalgamation of what you want in a champion. Um, but listen, he's had legitimate gripes with the UFC about his pay, about the freedom he has to go out and pursue other interests like you know, potentially a boxing match. You know, I think the Tyson Fury thing has kind of gone away because Tyson seems focused on getting the fight with Usyk, which is a monstrous fight for boxing. That seems to be his goal now. He's kind of put the whole Francis Ngannou thing to the side. He's no longer retired. So maybe that goes away and it cuts down on Francis's options in terms of what he can do outside the UFC. But I get his, I get his point about wanting to have that ability to have more freedom and also to have more money because again he is one of the biggest champions in the sport so i don't do you think he's gonna resign i think he's gonna resign i just don't know what the terms of that signing are gonna be i think it's gonna be a short-term deal i think it's gonna be maybe three or four fights most you know he's not gonna sign for a six or eight fight deal and i don't know how they're gonna work in the whole freedoms and doing other things but the problem Francis runs into is I don't think he'll get paid as much by anyone else outside of boxing. I don't think like the PFL or, you know, Bellator is going to offer him more money than he can make in the UFC. And if the Tyson Fury thing's gone away, I don't really know that there's going to be that big option for him in boxing. So I think he will ultimately resign. I just don't know what the terms of that are going to be. Yeah. That's the thing, right? When he gets pay-per-view points with the UFC, like there's no other option. Right, that that's the his uh, kind of sticky situation that he's in. Other than boxing, like where else do you go? PFL, Bellator. There's no way they're going to offer him or, or be able to offer him the same amount of money that he could get in the UFC um, with the pay per view points. Now, it may not be you know the actual uh, flat rate salary contracted amount. You know, maybe they could meet that in Bellator, PFL, or um, you know whatever other promotion. But when you're talking about pay per view points, the UFC is the monster. There's no second there, – there's not even a second place, really. They're all second place, right? So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Dana White is very, very good at getting these kind of these deals done. Um, if he wants you in the UFC, he'll figure out a way to get it done, and I think they're going to want Gano, and I think they're going to get it done. And I think it will probably be pretty soon. Yeah. So in terms of the biggest threat, I mean, listen, I think the, I think the heavyweight division is, is actually in a really good spot now. There's some really good fighters. We talked about on yeah. this podcast a couple of times, Sergey Pav- Pavlovich, a guy that you're a big fan of, I'm a big fan of. I still think Curtis Blaze is out there. I always think he's a threat. Um, you know, Cyril Gaon is getting better. I think he's still always going to be a threat. But listen, the biggest threat in reality, in my mind, you know, whether he wins or not, I don't know, but the biggest threat remains John Jones. And I know that, you know, John is, you know, is he, is he finally going to fight this year? It's been three years since he's fought all these things going on. And I don't think that John's been out purely because he's just been sitting. I think the whole Francis Agano thing kind of threw a wrench in the works because I think if Francis had been, if Francis had been healthy coming out of the surreal gone fight, I think we probably would have seen him fight John Jones 
you know, last June or July, it would have been a monstrous, you know, pay-per-view. I don't think John's just sitting out for the fun of it. I think he's earned the right to fight for a title. He's the greatest light heavyweight of all time. I have zero problem with him going up and getting a title shot. Francis being out in this whole contract dispute has kind of thrown a wrench into the works, but John is the biggest threat because he's probably going to be next and, Listen, I don't know what John Jones is going to look like at heavyweight, but I'm going based purely on talent. And based purely on talent, John Jones may be the most talented fighter I've ever witnessed compete inside of a cage. And in le- and again, there is different level of power at heavyweight. So him getting tagged one time by Francis Ngannou versus one time by Dominic Reyes may answer all the questions about how far John Jones will go. But in terms of talent, I think he is the biggest threat because John has all those pieces. He's an incredible wrestler, incredible grappler, you know, solid striking. The the range and the distance are still going to translate. He had a massive reach at heavyweight, you know what I mean? 80 inch reach, whatever the crazy reach he has is. So all those intangibles work for John Jones. Now, will he beat Francis Ngannou? I, I we'll talk about that in a second, but in terms of the biggest threat, it is John Jones in my mind because not only is he potentially next, but again, I'm basing it on talent. And based on talent, John Jones is the most talented guy that could fight Francis Ngannou. What about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, you know, I kind of agree with that. Um, in, in terms of talent, yeah, John Jones is probably the biggest threat in a lot of ways. Um, but we haven't seen him at heavyweight. And you, you, you alluded to it a little bit. You talked about it a little bit. We haven't seen him at heavyweight. We don't know how he's going to take those shots. John has been hittable in the past. Um, and you know how it is with Francis. You can't get hit by Francis. You just can't. Right? Like it, it just doesn't take too many shots. If, if you can take more than one, then you're a lucky guy. So, um, you know, I think that's going to be his biggest problem going up to heavyweight. But, um, yes, yeah, so I, but I agree with you, you know, in terms of biggest threat, um, John Jones and, um, you know, we we like you, know, like you you talked about it too. I mean, we got Sergey Pavlovich over there, and um, but it, you know, I disagree that John Jones is the most talented guy we've ever seen. I think uh, Demetrius Johnson is the most talented we've ever seen. Um, that's the only the only thing I would disagree on with what you said, though. Yeah, here's the thing, here's the one thing I throw in as like a you know kind of a caveat to this is that John like it's kind of scary John going up on day one of fighting Francis. It's interesting because, you know, you, and you know this, Matt, you go in sparring and you and you spar hard, you get ready. But you, again, when you're in sparring and yes, people do get knocked out in sparring, but you're not going out there trying to kill your training partners. That's not what training is supposed to be about. And I know that John has trained with heavyweights. He's trained with Overeem. He's trained with Arlovsky. He's trained with good heavyweights. But I wonder, like what it's going to be like when he actually does get hit for the first time by a, you know what I mean? Like it's different when you're in sparring versus getting hit by Francis and gone with four ounce gloves. Like yeah. I'm wondering, like that's like, I'm not saying John needs a warm up fight. I'm not like proposing that, but I'm just wondering like what happens the first time he gets hit by a Francis and gone overhand, right. And maybe he eats it, but it immediately changes everything about the fight. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he doesn't come forward. He's, he's, he's tentative about engaging. That's a real thing, right? Like that's a real problem because heavyweights, heavyweights hit hard. Francis Ngannou hits harder. You know what I mean? Like that's a whole other yeah. level of getting hit hard. So uh, yeah, I, I like, I was going to say that exact same thing, right? Like when he gets hit, it's going to be a, a problem, but, but I think even more so what about when he goes for his first takedown, if he can't get it, 
right? Like we all know what's going to happen if he gets hit by Francis, Francis and Gano. Like if anybody gets hit by him cleanly, the the game's over, right? Your, your night's over. You're waking up in the hospital a few hours later and, you know, wondering what just happened. And, um, and, and that's just the, the game you're playing with Francis and Gano. You just can't get hit by him. But I wonder what's going to happen because when, when you're wrestling, weight matters a lot, like a lot, lot, you know, and, and Francis is a gigantic heavyweight. Can John take him down? John has a lot of tricky takedowns. John is, uh, can off balance guys very well. Um, so I can see it happening, but he's got a, but I think that's his best path to victory with Francis and Gano. He has to figure out a way to take him down. Um, and without getting hit in the process. Now, if he can't get him down or, you know, Francis stuffs one of those shots, if Francis makes it harder, gets back up after the takedown, you know, something along these lines, that's where I wonder where John's mind is going to be. And John is a totally uber confident person. So I don't, you know, I, I, and his mind is as strong as they get. So I don't, I don't think it would necessarily break him, but, um, but when he realizes you know, if it happens that way and, and he ends up where he has to strike with Francis, that is where I would be real nervous about John being able to win. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, I mean, I'd be nervous for anyone standing on the outside wing and punching with Francis and Ghana. That's just like playing with dynamite. You know, yeah. you're just asking yeah, for trouble. It's like, okay, if you, if you can get the takedown, great. You know, not you, now you have a path to victory that's, a, you know, and I think if John gets him down and can keep him down, I mean, I think John will dominate thoroughly on the ground. And I, th- I mean, he's got some of the best ground and pound we've ever seen. He just demolishes guys when he gets them down. It's amazing to see. But what if Francis gets back up? What if he can't get him down? Now you're stuck in a shootout with Francis and Gano. That is a scary thing to think about. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of who's going to be the champion at the end of the year, because listen, I'm, I always I always play the, the the odds that a champion is going to defend their title twice in a year. Now, of course, that doesn't always happen. A lot of times champions only fight once a year. If we get Francis and John Jones, he may not fight again. But I'm playing the game that, you know, let's say they fight March, April, hypothetically. You know, maybe one more time this year. And I, you know, listen, I'm a big believer in Sergey Pavlovich. We've talked about him. I know you love him. Um, again, I don't discount Curtis Blades. Um, one guy we haven't talked about, and it's kind of unfortunate, is Steve Miocic. You know, Steve, of course, the Ohio yeah. guy, the, the legend. Matt, I'm being honest. I'm trying. I'm getting off a little. I'm getting off track a little bit here. Being, I'm being honest. Like, I feel like we may have seen Steve already fight for the last time. Like, I, I don't know that Steve yeah. is going to come back and. So I'm taking him out of the conversation because I'll be honest. Like I don't know. I think we may have seen Stepe already for the last time. Like I think that Francis Ngannou fight, the time off, and him not getting the immediate rematch, and then Francis being hurt. We might be talking about Stepe the firefighter now, and not Stepe the fighter. Like I just feel like we may be done seeing him as a fighter, and I because I don't think Stepe is going to really. And not saying that Stepe is not passionate because I know he is. But, like, he's got other things going on. Like, I don't think he's ever, you know, just been like, I'm only a fighter and that's all I'll ever do. Um, am I wrong in thinking we may have already seen Stipe for the last time? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know Stipe close enough to say to really say. Um, but when you – yeah, when you look at it realistically, I mean, look, he's achieved more than any other heavyweight has, right? He has the most title defenses. Well, he doesn't have anything to prove. He, he comes back. If he's not fighting for a title, why would he come back? You know, he, he's set for life. 
Um, he loves being a firefighter. He has a great life. So um, I don't see any reason for him to come back if he's not fighting for a title. I mean, we, I would love to see him come back. I love watching him fight. I think he's an amazing fighter. And I would love to see him, even if he doesn't get a title fight, come back and, um, you know, uh, fight a uh, contender match and, you know, hopefully get another title fight. Uh, I'm a huge Stipe fan. Um, I know him pretty well. And, um, you know, I really hope that he comes back and fights. But I can see his position. Like, look, if I'm not getting the rematch, you know, and he, he deserves it, right? And he's like, if I'm not getting the rematch, what am I coming back for? Yeah. So at the end of 2023, who are we talking about as heavyweight champion? Because in my mind, in my opinion, Matt, I'm sticking with Francis Ngannou because I'm a big believer in Francis. I think he's only getting better. I think he showed some wrinkles in his game against Cyril Gaon when he wasn't 100%, when his knee was already hurt, and he was able to, you know, get some takedowns. You know, he didn't have just the, the flashy one-punch knockout. He was able to go out there and, and, and deal with a guy like Cyril Gaon for five rounds. And again, Cyril Gaon's not, you know, a, a, a world-class wrestler. And, and again, I think John Jones, in my opinion, may be the greatest fighter in history, but it still scares me when he gets hit because John does get hit and, and you can't get hit by Francis Ngannou. And again, I'm just a big believer in heavyweight power is a different animal. So I think Francis, if Francis comes back and he signs and all those kind of things happen, even with the John Jones fight right now, if I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to bet on Francis still being champ at the end of the year. Now that may end up being because he only fights once this year. Um, and he doesn't have to face a Sergey Pavlovich or other guys out there, but Right now, I'd have to lean towards Francis. What about you? Well, I think the only other guy we kind of haven't really brought up in this conversation that I think has a maybe should be brought up is Tom Aspinall. Um, whether he can take out John or Francis, I'm not totally sure, but um, I think he's a wild card, a dark horse in this whole conversation. Um, but I'm, to be honest, I'm going with Sergey Pavlovich. If Francis fights, um, you know, two or three times. I, I doubt he fights three times, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, whoever wins between um, John and Francis, if this fight happens and there's still enough time and Sergey can get in there, I'm a huge Sergey fan. I think he's going to – I think he can beat both of those guys. It's interesting. We talk about biggest threat. You know, we talk about biggest threat because John is the guy who's probably going to get the next shot. Sergey's again, he's the guy, he could be the guy to beat both of them. You know what I mean? Like whoever comes out of that Sergey, if he gets a title shot, he may beat both of them. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm calling. I think he could beat either one of them. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of a, that's a, a big call. I understand that. So, you know, I, I would also like to see how Francis and John look, how much they've improved. I mean, it's been a long time since either one of them fought. So I would like to see how much they both improve, see where their levels are at these days. Um, you know, see how John handles heavyweight. That's, the, I think, the big thing we just don't know. We don't know how he's going to handle the extra weight, how his cardio is going to hold up, how he's going to take the punches, if he can take these guys down uh, at the bigger weight. And I think that's going to be the big thing, um, the big question mark here. But with that said, I'm more impressed with Sergey than any of these guys. I, I mean, this guy just impresses the hell out of me. So um, that's who I'm calling. And – I realize that that's a that's a long shot call, but um, I, I think Sergey, man, if he again, we don't know how John's going to fight a heavyweight, but I think if he fights Francis, I think he can beat Francis.
Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I mean, I don't, I don't discount it. Like I said, I mean, if John fights his game and he's and he adapts well to heavyweight, I think John can beat anybody. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anybody in the world he can't beat. Um, it just scares me because the heavyweight thing. Like I said, you get tagged one time at heavyweight. It's different yeah. than getting, and this is not a knock on Dominic Reyes. I'm just saying, like, it's different getting hit by Francis Ngannou than it is getting hit by Dominic Reyes. You know what I mean? So, exactly. uh, it'll be interesting. Let's talk about light heavyweight, which is kind of a mess right now because we just had the fight. We broke it down in the podcast, the whole mess between Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Blahovich. They're out of the picture right now. Now we're getting the title fight between Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill coming up in a matter of days at this point. We'll break that fight down further uh, when we get to that week of the podcast. It's coming up on January 21st, if so I remember the date correctly. Um, of course, Yuri Prohoshka seems like he's going to be out. You know, I know he said, I'll be back in seven months. Listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not professing to be a doctor. But when you rip your shoulder apart, you have to go undergo shoulder surgery. I have a hard time believing he's going to be back, you know, in this year i just i don't th- again yeah. I'm, pl- I'm playing the odds here i know what tj dillashaw has gone through with shoulder injuries i know what other guys have gone through shoulder injuries when you have to go through that much surgery you do not come back quickly and i hope he doesn't come back quickly because then you're just setting yourself up for failure so i'm taking me personally and feel free to disagree matt i'm taking yuri out of this because if yuri comes back of course i'm going to probably say he's going to be the threat and maybe even you know, retain his reclaim his championship but i don't know if he's going to come back in 2020 if I'm being honest, like I just don't know. I can't, he's an X factor that I can't deal with. When it comes to Glover and Jamal, I mean, I like the fight, and I, I'm a big believer in Jamal Hill. I think he's a super talented guy, but I've learned to stop betting against Glover Teixeira. I mean, this dude <laughs> yeah. is just like he's like the ageless wonder who just finds a way to win. He's nasty. He's a good ground fighter. I mean, again, he was he was minutes away from beating Yuri Prohoshka. Let's not forget that. Like, he got caught and got submitted in the fifth round, but he was minutes away from winning that fight. Um, and and then outside of that, the problem is, is then you're talking about, is it going to be Anthony Smith? Is it going to be Jan again? Is it going to be Magomed? I mean, listen, hypothetically, Magomed you know, would be, but I, I just, the way the UFC was like not happy with that fight, the way Dana White was not happy about that fight. I think they're going to make Magomed and Jan fight somebody else, or maybe they rematch and the winner of that gets it. So if I'm a betting man right now, Matt, like who's the biggest threat? I I would say Magomed's the biggest threat if he gets the title shot, but I don't know if he's going to get it. Like they, the US Dana White did not seem happy about either one of those guys being champion. God, I mean, you said it perfectly, bro. I'm right there with you. Now, with uh, in terms of Yuri, like you know, I've had shoulder problems in the past, and I mean, I felt it for a good six, seven months before it was my left shoulder. Before I was able to throw jabs well, I fought before that, but I kind of wish I didn't, and um, I was not prepared to be fighting when it happened. Um, and I had, and mine was not nearly as bad as uh, TJ or uh, Yuri's, and you know, a lot of these other guys dealing with so. Um, him coming back this year is probably not a good idea for him. Um, even if he does, he's not going to be a hundred percent in that shoulder most likely. Um, and if, if he's able to, then props to him. And I want to learn his tricks, even <laughs> though, you know, Yuri's kind of a, um, I don't know if I want to learn his tricks. <laughs> 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 kind of do though. Uh, but I, I'm right there with you, man. Magomed, I think should be the champion. I thought he won that fight. You know, we talked about it before. Um, you know, fair decision though. Um, um, but yeah, I think he's the best guy in that division. I think that's all there is to it. I think he beats all those guys. Um, um, I think Glover's going to beat Jamal Hill. 
And I think if Magomed is able to get back in there and fight, I think Magomed's going to win. So uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, um, Magomed is easily the best in the division and everybody else has got to catch up to him somehow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a crappy situation too, because if Glover beats Jamal Hill in January, you know, hypothetically, you should be looking at him fighting again in, you know, July, August. Again, you got to yeah. see how the fight plays out. Does he break a hand? All those kind of weird things that can happen. But, you know, Magomed's the guy, and I feel, and, and I feel for Jan too. Like I said, like Jan, you know, he came out on the, on the, on the end of a split draw. Like, it, you know, in theory, Jan and, and Magomed should just rematch, and then the winner gets, yeah. you know, Glover. I think that, and, and again, that way they're not sitting out for the better part of a year just waiting. Um, well, they get Glover or, or Jamal Hill, we can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Whoever wins that, like I think that, but I, I kind of, but again, biggest threat, it's Magomed. I still think he's the guy. Yeah. Like I didn't lose faith in him. It was a close fight. Um, I didn't lose faith in him. And and do, does he have a few areas he needs to clean up? Sure. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, could he defend those leg kicks better? Absolutely. But again, you're talking about fighting one of the other best light heavyweights in the world, Jan Blahovich. Um. So, yeah, I think it's Magomed, and, and if you're asking me who's going to be the champ at the end of 2023, again, I'm eliminating Yuri from the conversation. Um, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on Magomed and Goliath. I just I, I just think if he gets another shot, I, I have a hard time believing he's not going to clean up those mistakes, and, and I think he's a bad matchup for everybody in that division. I, I really, truly believe that. Yep, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly right. The, and then the wild card there. The one guy we haven't talked about yet, Ryan Spann. This guy, wow, <laughs> right? That's all you say, Ryan Spann. Assuming he's telling the truth that he hadn't really trained before and now he's training. If that's really the case, that's a scary, scary guy. And um, he might be the one. Yeah, he's got a big fight coming up with Nikita Krylov. It's a headline in February. If he beats him, and, and Nikita's a fun fighter to watch. Nikita's always Nikita's like the perfect measuring stick. If you can beat Nikita, you're probably a contender. If you can't beat Nikita, you're probably on the outside looking in. That's kind of where I see him. That's not an easy fight, but if he goes out there and beats Nikita Krylov, then I'm like, okay, like Ryan Span, you got my attention. Like, dude, if you really weren't training and you were just kind of like half-assing your way through a career and now you're taking it seriously, okay, I'm I'm watching. Um, yeah, it's go. an interesting one. Interesting one. Um, let's move down and talk about some of the women's divisions in the UFC because I'm not going to group them all together because we're going to talk about all three real quickly here, but they're weird in a way because while I feel like there's been talent added in straw weight and, and, and flyweight, it feels like the bantamweight division has just fallen off a cliff. You got Amanda Nunes, the greatest women's fighter of all time, in my opinion. She beats Juliana Pena. She reclaims her title, showed that the first fight was a bit of an anomaly. I don't want to take that away from Juliana, but the rematch went as one-sided in the other way as you could possibly go. Um, the problem is now Amanda has no one to fight. I mean, Ketlin Vieira, who has a fight of her own coming up, Ketlin Vieira, I guess, is the number one contender. She can get another win, but like, is that a fight anyone's screaming for? You got, you know, Yana Kunitskaya fighting Holly Holm. Holly's coming off a lot. So I like Irene Aldana. I think Irene Aldana is a really fun fighter. I think she might be, in my opinion, the most deserving fighter to get a title shot this year. But do I see her beating Amanda Nunes? I've always said, and I've said this, I said this about the Juliana Pena fight too, Matt, and it's not a knock on Juliana Pena. 
I think Amanda Nunez's worst enemy is herself, complacency. I think she got complacent. She got overconfident in that first Juliana Pena fight, and it cost her. That might be the one wake-up call you get. Like, you don't get that Amanda Nunez again. Unless Amanda just loses interest in fighting, which could happen. Um, No one. I don't see anyone beating her. And and, and I'm saying that in this regard, Matt, when we talk about the biggest threat. I don't see one. I don't see a legitimate threat to Amanda Nunes in her division right now. And I don't, I don't mean that as disrespect to Juliana Pena. I don't mean that as disrespect to Irene Aldana. I don't mean that as disrespect to Ketlin Vieira, but I don't see any of them. I see Amanda like here at like 10 and then I see everyone else at like six and it's just hard to see anyone chat. So I'm just being honest. Like I don't see a threat to Amanda Nunes right now. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to find some things we disagree about because I'm just agreeing with everything you're saying right now. I mean, you're just, yeah, you're spot on. I mean, you, there's not a lot of it. When I just, I'm looking over here on my computer at the top 15, I'm not seeing like any young killers that just, you know, they maybe they just need a few more fights to get a little more experience and they're going to come up and give her a challenge or, or, you know, girls coming off the contender or something or, you know, I'm just not seeing anything like that. No one getting built up, and um, yeah, I don't know. there's there's really not. I mean, you know, Amanda when she's on top of her game, is hard enough to beat. You know, regardless if how good you are, um, but I'm not seeing any you know crazy talent out of uh, this top 15 here. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer because the women's bantamweight division was kind of like you know, the best division for a while. And now like, there's just not, you're right. Like there's no young, cause when you go down to flyweight and we'll talk about that now, like flyweight, like Valentina Shevchenko, in my opinion, is the number one pound for pound women's fighter in the planet. And I know she's lost to Amanda, but she's also on a better streak right now. She didn't have the Juliana Pena fight where she got upset and dominated. Now you could say she had a very, very close fight with Tyler Santos and credit to Tyler Santos. I also think, and this is not me making excuses is just being honest after the fight, Valentina talked about, she had a really bad foot injury. And I noticed in the fight, Valentina was not moving like she normally moves against Tyler Santos. She did not have that quick footwork. She was not resisting the takedowns the way she normally did. When she said she had a foot injury, I was like, okay, now it all makes sense. And listen, yeah. fighters, you all take risks every time you step in there and you fought with injuries. I just like when she said that afterwards, like, oh, man, what a risk to take knowing you didn't have like one of your primary weapons and, and it almost cost her. But listen, Valentina Shevchenko to me is, is you know, number one in the world. Um, and, you know, eventually time runs out on everybody. We know that. I don't know what that expiration date is on Valentina Shevchenko. So when I look at the biggest threat in that division, in my opinion, it's Aaron Blanchfield who is coming up. She looks like a monster. Here's the problem. She's got a fight coming up in February, Tyler Santos. I think that's a winnable fight for Aaron Blanchfield. I think she's got a great chance of winning that fight. My worry is, is I, I would love to see Aaron Blanchfield get a couple more fights before getting to Valentina. Cause the problem is you get rushed into that title fight to me, it's going to look a little bit like George St. Pierre getting Matt Hughes that first time. He wasn't quite there yet. Now, when he, they fought years later, George washed him two times in a row, okay? And I'm not saying Aaron's going to be GSP. I'm saying that, like, GSP needed that seasoning to get back and actually beat Matt Hughes. I think Aaron Blanchfield may be the future of this division, but she's 23 years old. 
You know, she just had her you know big win over Molly McCann. Who, let me be honest, Molly McCann is not a great measuring stick. I mean, Molly McCann is is you know barely top fifteen. Tyler Santos is a good measuring stick because Tyler Santos just went to split decision. Went to a split decision with Valentina. She could win that fight, but I'm not sure that Aaron's ready for for Valentina right now. A year from now, year and a half from now, maybe. That kind of worries me. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm right, where I'm wrong on this one. Um, I'll tell you what. Again, I'm in perfect agreement with you there. I don't know. This is the first time I think in the history of me and you ever do a podcast where I'm just agreeing with everything you say. I'm like, I don't even have to say anything, bro. You're saying it perfectly. Look, uh, that's exactly what Blanchfield needs. She needs, like you said, she's 23 years old. She's young, but she has looked tremendous. Uh, Molly McCann was an easy fight for her, you know, no sweat at all for her. Uh, but she needs to fight some of these top 10 girls, and we need to see where she really is. Um, from all um, everything we've seen so far, it looks like she's the future, and she's going to do a great, amazing things. But we need to see her against some of these top 10 girls. Um, and, yeah, I, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm right there with you, bro. I think she's the one that's got the best chance. She seems like she's the most athletic, uh, fights very disciplined, very intelligent. Um, which is where Valentina Shevchenko really shines. Like she is disciplined, smart, um, educated fighter, uh, fights with a, a high fight IQ, um, does what she needs to do, is strong. Um, and, and you're going to have to have someone with a lot of those qualities to be able to take her out. And it seems like Aaron Blanchfield is the one um, that would at least have a shot. Not, I'm not saying that she would or wouldn't, who knows, but um, it looks like she would have a shot. Uh, especially with her grappling. Her grappling looks uh, tremendous. So that's what we're seeing. And, yeah, so she's got um, – she shouldn't be going up to fight number two when she's number 10 right th- right now, though, uh, which is kind of strange if you ask me. But uh, she needs to go – you know, she's a fight number eight, number seven, something like that. Yeah, so I, I actually – I'm going to say Aaron Blanchfield is the biggest threat, but I'm also going to stick with my GSP Matt Hughes thing where I say that Valentina beats her right now. Now, again, a year from now, a year and a half from now, maybe not. But so Valentina champ, Aaron Blanchfield's the biggest threat, but I still think Valentina's the champ at the end of the year. Now, maybe that changes because if Aaron loses to Valentina, hypothetically, she gets that experience. She comes back. She beats an Alexa Grasso. She beats a, you know, a a Mano Fior, whoever, and then she gets back there. Then maybe the rematch she gets her, but I just and listen. I know Jessica Andrade is out there. She's fought, you know. Obviously, she's fighting uh, Lauren Murphy. That's a good fight. Um, I really like that one. That's a good matchup. Um, you know, and uh, Jessica. But again, Jessica got worked by Valentina. Valentina ran over her like a like a dump truck over a over a raccoon on the road. I mean, it was bad. So. I consider Aaron Blanchfield the biggest threat, but I just, I, I again, I said the same thing last year. I'm saying it again now. I just don't think anybody beats Valentina right now. Right now, I don't think anybody you know, beats Valentina. I think the only other person that stylistically it actually creates uh, some threat for her is uh, Caitlin Chukagian. Um, she seems to be improving all the time. Like, she's getting better all the time, and she's got that sort of uh, point style. You know, she's not going to knock her out. She's not going to go out and run her over or anything like that. Um, but I could see her getting in there, um, you know, if she's able to get to that title shot, get in there and uh, make make some waves, make it a hard fight for Valentino. 
I mean, they fought before and Valentina ran over her too. So I think it's going to yeah. be difficult, you know, I mean, getting back again, getting back in there. I just, I think Blanchfield's the one. I just think, I just, I kind of hope that even if she beats Tyler Santos, they don't, they don't run her directly into the title fight. Like I know that's going to be what everyone's going to call for. And hypothetically she would earn it. Um, I just, I would love to see her get one more at least before getting in there with Valentina. Cause again, Valentina is a buzzsaw. And if you're not ready, man, she's going to chew you up and spit you out again. Um, the other women's division let's talk about is the strawweight division where Zhang Wei Li is once again champion after she dominated and beat Carla Sparza. You called that fight perfectly. When we talked about it on the podcast, of course, you know, the, the 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 hypothetical rematch, the trilogy, of course, is the fight with Rose Namajunas. I just I, I've said this many times, Matt. I hope they don't just give it to Rose. You know, Rose lost a very ugly fight to Carlos Bars. I would like to see Rose get a win before she gets another title shot. Um, Amanda Lemos is out there. She just came off a big win. I think Amanda Lemos and Rose would be a natural number one contenders fight, and the winner of that gets Jang. Um, so. Right now, I'm leaning towards Zhang staying champion only because I'm not sure who's going to end up fighting her because I think Zhang beats Amanda Limos. I don't know that she'll beat Rose Namajunas. I just, I guess my biggest hope, and I know I'm kind of dodging the question with this one, Matt, but I just, I want to see Rose fight someone else. I, I just, I don't want them to run back that Zhang Wei Li Rose Namajunas thing for a third time when Rose is coming off one of the ugliest title fights in history. And then just throwing her back in there, like my interest would be next to nothing. Like I don't, I, I, I don't really have, like I don't want to see that fight right now. Yeah, I guess when it kind of depends on you know on the topic of the conversation here is what is the biggest threat? The biggest threat, without a question, is Rose. Right? Like yeah. We know, we know Rose can beat her, so that is the biggest threat. And I'm I'm right there with you. Rose needs to have a win to to get to a title fight. You can't be getting a title fight coming off a loss. It's just um, unrealistic, right? It just doesn't make sense and isn't cool, really. Um, I don't know what uh, Marina Rodriguez has coming up, but I would also consider her a heavy threat. Yeah, I mean she's really good. I mean she had that fight with Lemos. I mean that's you know that was a good one. I mean I think I think Lemos is is ahead of her right now, obviously because they fought and everything. You know, so I think yeah. Lemos is the one. But yeah, I, I just I want to see some new blood in there. Is all I'm getting at. Like I, you know I'm like yeah. I'm, I I'm a, I'm with you. Rose is the biggest threat. But I like give Lemos a title shot. Let's just see something different. Like I think yeah, that's the problem yeah. we're running into in all these women's divisions is that we're looking at rematches and rehashing things and like. Do, could you see Juliana Pena fight Amanda Nunes for a third time? Technically, they are split one-one right now. But do I have a lot of interest in seeing that third fight? Not really. You know, Valentina. You know, you could argue that the biggest, the toughest challenge in that division might be Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade is a monster. Jessica Andrade might beat everybody else. But we already saw that fight, and Valentina ran over her. And then the strawweight, same thing. Like, yes, Rose Namajunas has two wins over Zhang Weili. Hypothetically, she should be the one in line, but. God, can we see some new fights? Can we see some new matchups? You know what I mean? Like, I want to see some <laughs> right. different people. Right. And I think uh, uh, Lemos beat Rodriguez, right? Yeah, they, yeah. They fought and she beat her, right? So, um, I guess I'm just talking about when you say threat specifically to Zhang Wiley. Rodriguez is a threat to her, stylistically. Yeah. And whether she can get there or not. And, you know, we you can go down 
pretty far down the ranks and find people that are going to be threats, you know, it's, but a lot of times just getting to that title fight is harder than actually winning the title fight, right? Like there's just stylistically bad matchups. And um, so I guess that's kind of where I'm looking at here is uh, that's if she can get there to that title fight, I think Rodriguez poses a lot of challenges for Zhang. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. The women's divisions are in a weird place right now where I think flyweight is kind of the one with the most interest because there actually is some young up and coming up and coming talent with Blanchfield, Casey O'Neill's coming back. You got Mano Fior out there. Um, but you also have the most dominant champion being Valentina Shevchenko. It's kind of a weird one. Um, but I don't, like I said, Bantamweight and Strawweight, I'll be honest, like I don't have a lot of interest right now because there's just not those compelling matchups that are drawing me in saying, man, I can't wait to see that. I don't have that interest right now in yeah. either one of those divisions. Um, you know, just being honest. Uh the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let going from I'm saying this going from divisions where I don't have a ton of interest outside of flyweight to a division that I'm in highly intrigued by. Let's talk about the middleweight division where Alex no, I, Pereira pulls off one of the craziest runs in UFC history to have, you know, basically three fights, gets a title shot, comes back, knocks out Israel Adesanya, becomes champion. Now, obviously all signs are pointing towards a, a rematch sometime in 2023 of course you got robert whitaker out there unfortunately he won't be fighting in february his fight with paulo costa got nixed so that's kind of out there of course you got guys like marvin vittori out there you got uh, uh roman delize who's coming off a big win he's fighting marvin vittori coming up that's a dark horse that division um yeah. you know you got young guys coming up like bo nickel of course he hasn't even fought in the ufc yet i'm saying down the road um you know, in a year or two down the road. But right now, we know it's going to be Pereira and it's going to be Adesanya. But is Israel Adesanya the biggest threat to Alex Pereira right now in your mind? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, I was, you know, I would certainly say Israel is always a threat, um, even to Pereira. Um, it's a matter of whether he can mentally 
be there for another fight with him, right? Like, you know, he's lost three times now, <laughs> you know, knocked out twice. Like that's, that's tough, man. And, and especially with it just happening the way it did in the last one, you know, winning the fight, doing great, everything's looking good. And then wow, just, you know, it, it's got to feel like a some sort of fate to Israel Adesanya right now that he's just not ever going to beat Alex Pereira. Like that's just his fucking um, arch in, arch nemesis that he's just not going to beat. And they would really suck. But um, if there's a guy that uh, could mentally come back from it, I think it's Israel Adesanya. You know, so I I absolutely consider him a threat. Um, but I'll tell you who I think is probably a bigger threat and probably the biggest threat. I think um, Derek Brunson. I think he's fighting pretty soon, right? I think he's, is he fighting Drakus? Uh, yeah, Drakus Drake Duplessis in March, yep. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to win that fight. And, um, I, again, you know, it's, it's a matter of getting to the title fight. And I don't know. I think J- Jared Cannonier is probably next in line. If I'm wrong, you know, after uh, Adesanya, of course. I think it. I think it depends on. I think it depends on who wins. Because if Adesanya wins, it kind of sh- shakes up everything. Because he's already beaten Cannonier. Yeah. You know, he's already beaten Marvin Vittori. He's already beaten Derek Bronson. Right. Uh, uh, and you know, I think it. That, and it, listen, if if, if if as Adesanya beats Pereira, they may just run it back for a third time. Because technically, yeah. in MMA, oh, they'd be split right. down the middle. Um, if Pereira wins, then, you know, you got to look at, I think Robert Whitaker is probably the natural fit because Robert, you know, is, okay. is the other guy and he, and he, he hasn't fought Pereira yet. I think he would probably be the guy. Let me throw a monkey. Let me throw a little bit of a, a sideways shot in here because I want to talk about after this, I want to talk about the welterweight division, your division, Matt. Um, am I wrong in thinking the biggest threat if he stay, if he goes to middleweight is Hamza Chemaev. Because if mm. Hamza Chamaya fights a middleweight, I think he absolutely beats Alex Pereira tomorrow. That's not a mm. knock on Alex Pereira. I think Alex Pereira is incredible. But Alex Pereira got taken down and controlled on the ground by Israel Adesanya. Can you imagine <laughs> Hamza Chamaya getting his hands on Alex Pereira and putting him on the ground? He ain't getting up again. That's it. Fight's over. Like, that's yeah, how that's- confident I am in that. Like, if that happened. It's over. The reason I'm segueing into this conversation, Matt, is because Hamzat to me is kind of the X factor. Does he want to fight a welterweight? Does he want to fight a middleweight? Me personally, I want to see him a middleweight because he's already shown he has a bit of a struggle to, to, to make weight. We know that's an issue. I mean, he completely blew his last weight cut and completely almost ruined an event because of it. He is a big dude. Now I've never met Hamza, but he is a we've seen him stand next to people. He is a big dude. When he fought, when he wrestled Jack Hermanson in a grappling in a wrestling match, he looked like two weight classes bigger than Jack. Uh Hamza Chemaev is a dude, man. That guy is a monster. And I think to me, there's an easier path for him at middleweight because Adesanya's beaten everybody else. And Pereira's kind of this unicorn right now where he has one, he has two quality wins in the division over Strickland and over Adesanya. I I still think Pereira beats Adesanya. Like, I think if they rematch, I think Pereira beats him again. I just, I'm with you. I think that's a matchup that Israel's going to always struggle to win. Like, it's just, I can't think of a good example of that, but I can't, I, like, I'm thinking, like, a guy who just has another guy's number. You know what I mean? Like, he may not be the greatest fighter yeah. ever, but he just has that dude's number. And I think Pereira has Israel's number. 
it's like if I if I decided you could only just make it a three round fight. Right? <laughs> yeah, but Hamzat Hamzat middleweight dude. Mm. I mean, I I was saying he was a threat to Adesanya. I think he's a bigger threat to Pereira because Pereira Pereira hasn't had time to develop those ground skills yet, and Chimaev is a freaking monster. So I'm gonna say Israel. I'm gonna say if he fights at middleweight, Hamzat Chimaev is the biggest threat in that division. And again, I'm going way out on a limb here. Hamzat gets the title fight in 2023. By the end of the year, Hamzat Shemaev is champion. That's my prediction. I yeah, I'm right there with you. If he gets the title shot, um, is he deserving of a title shot at 185? Though you're right, he's got to beat you know a few guys to get up there. He does, but in terms of matchups, and everyone loves him. You know, Dana loves him. They love you know again. They they love this dude. If he gets it. He's the dude. Like I think he could beat anybody, and like I, I just I, like stylistically, he is a nightmare matchup for every. Because when you look at that division at the top, it's a lot of strikers. It's Adesanya. It's Pereira. It's Whitaker. Now Whitaker's a little more well-rounded, but Whitaker. Marvin Vittori's obviously. I'd love to see him fight Whitaker. That's the one I would yeah. like to see. Let's give Hamzat the real test. Give him Whitaker. I mean, Whitaker's just a savage man. <laughs> like this guy. You know, Yo Romero couldn't get him down and keep him down. You know, so um, I'd love to see that fight, and I think it would be uh, the realest test at at middleweight for Hamza. And he wins that fight, then give him uh, uh, Pereira. You know, give him the title shot. So who is the who is the biggest threat, and who's champion at the end of the year, in your opinion? Yeah, so I we don't know what's going on with Hamza. So I kind of excluded him from the conversation. I see it. You know, he was uh, I, I. kind of just figured he's a welterweight, you know, so I kind of excluded him from the conversation. But if we put him at 185, I mean, he's certainly a huge threat. But, again, I think Derek Brunson beats Strykus, and I think he's a gigantic threat if he can get to the title shot. I think he's going to have a hard time with uh, Whitaker if he ends up having to fight him or, um, you know, again, getting to the title shot's tough. But I think Brunson's a very bad matchup for Pereira. Do you think do you think Adesanya beats Prayer in the rematch? Because I, I just don't I think it's one of those matchups. I'm not saying he can't. I know he can. I'm saying like will he? And I don't think he will. Uh, I, I give it like 70-30, you know, like like Izzy's got a 30% chance, you know. But again, if there's a guy that can do it, that can uh come back mentally and after three losses and come back and um it still end up winning a fight, make a few adjustments and and add to his game a little bit, uh I could see Izzy doing it. Um, like I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. I would certainly lean towards Pereira though, and and that's, I mean, how could you not, right? He won three times now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Once in him, Bison kickboxing. Yeah. So shifting gears down to welterweight, Leon Edwards is the champion. All signs are pointing to him fighting Kamaru Usman in a trilogy. You know, hopefully in March in the London card. I know it's not a done deal yet, but he's out there. Of course, you got guys like Bilal Muhammad on an incredible run right now. Uh, you never forget about guys like Gilbert Burns. He's got a fight coming up with Neil Magny. That's going to be interesting. Of course, Colby Covington is out there somewhere. We're not sure where he's at. Uh, I know the UFC has talked about booking him against Hamzat. So I'm just going to say right now, Matt, the biggest threat to Leon Edwards is Kamar Usman. And if you're asking me to pick that fight right now, I'm still going to pick Kamar Usman. Kamar Usman was winning that fight. He was two minutes away from retaining the title, and he got caught with a head kick. Credit to Leon Edwards for pulling off an incredible comeback. But – 
if Usman is healthy and 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 he's ready and maybe they're not fighting at altitude like they were in Salt Lake City, uh, I think Kamaru Usman wins that rematch, that trilogy, however you want to say it. So I think that, yeah, Kamaru Usman's the biggest threat. Now, the question I'll throw in there, though, is who's champion at the end of the year, and that's where you go back to the Hamzat question. Is Hamzat going to be a welterweight? Because Hamzat could realistically fight. If, if they can get him booked against Colby Covington, that's a winnable fight for Hamzat. Now, it's not a sure thing because Colby Covington's tough as nails, and I know everyone likes to hate on the dude, and he does say some really dumb, stupid things, but he's a hell of a good fighter and a conditioning machine, and you wonder, could Hamzat go five rounds of Colby? If you can't put him away early, can he go five rounds? But again, the Hamzat factor, like he is the X factor. If he fights a welterweight, I think he's a big threat. If he fights a middleweight, he's a big threat. Just got to figure out where this dude's going. Um, first off, let me start with welterweight, Matt. I assume you probably have Usman as the biggest threat as well, just because he's probably next. And I don't know. I just, I, I, I love Leon Edwards, man. I do. Leon is such a good dude. And I couldn't have been happier to see that guy after everything he went through with the pandemic and missing out on fights and having fights fall apart. He took Hamzat. He accepted the Hamzat fight three different times. It never happened. So that's not on Leon Edwards. So I was, I was happy to see him do it. Can he do it again? I just have a hard time seeing him do it, man. Usman is is a monster, and I just I just have a hard time seeing him beat Usman again. Yeah, I'm trying to find some things to disagree with you on here, <laughs> but I'm I'm with you on everything, man. I, uh, I think Hamza beats Colby. Um, I think Usman beats Leon. Um, I think they probably end up fighting by the end of the year, which is why I was excluding Hamza from the uh, middleweight conversation, unless Hamza can't uh, keep making the weight, which it seems to be a real issue for him. So. Um, I'm not sure if he'll if he can keep making this way. I mean, he missed last time and uh, by a pretty big margin, and uh, you know, I think that's going to be his biggest enemy is his weight. He's probably going to end up having to move up to 170. But with that said, I think Usman beats both those guys. I think that now, if you want to talk about biggest threats to Usman, I, I'm going with Bilal Muhammad. So, and I think Bilal Muhammad is probably the biggest threat to all of these guys. Um, but I, I think Usman beats Leon and the champ at the end of the year is either uh, Bilal or Hamza or I mean Bilal or Usman. Wow. Interesting. I love Bilal. I think the problem like Bilal needs the opportunity. Like, I think that's what's hurting him. Like he just needs the chance. You know what I mean? Like they're not giving him the chance. Like he should, after he beat Vicente Luque, he should have gotten Colby or he should have got one of those guys and they gave him Sean Brady. Now I like Sean Brady very much, but Sean Brady was so far behind him in the rankings. It didn't make a ton of sense. And Bilal went out there and proved, knocked him out. You know what I mean? Knocked out a really good fighter in Sean Brady. They got to give Bilal somebody big right now. Like they got to give him, like he's not getting Gilbert Burns. They like, I, they should have like, if Colby's not coming back, and like we don't know because the whole thing going on Masvidal and the, and the court case and all that. That just if you're not if he's not going to take the fight, and you can't get it done. Do Bilal against Hamzat Chemaev. Make that fight. And I'm telling you right now, that is not a guaranteed win for Hamzat Chemaev. That is 100 not a guaranteed win. Bilal Muhammad is is a monster. People do not give him enough credit. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think the biggest thing is Bilal's pace. You know, he can keep a pace like nobody else in the division except for Kobe. Um, and which is really the fight that I would love to see the most is Bilal and Kobe. I would love to see, cause those guys both just keep such a high pace and, you know, very different stylistically high paces, which I think would make just an amazing fight. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. So who is so who are you ultimately? So I, I think we both agree. I Usman. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll end with Usman being champion, but uh, um, hope. But I think Bilal ha- is the biggest threat to Usman, and I, I don't think anybody's going to disagree that Usman is probably going to beat Leon, um, barring you know another fifth round knockout, you know, uh, uh, kind of um, you know home run hit or something. You know what I mean? So, something like that. Uh, um, stylistically, it, you know, it, it, we knew it before the first fight. Stylistically, uh, Usman is a bad matchup for Leon. And, um, you know, but boy, you know, Leon really proved a lot of his wrong, too, taking down Usman in the first round, you know, but those uh, second, third, and fourth round, and most of the fifth round, I think we've seen, you know, what we'll probably end up seeing in most of the uh, next time they fight. Yeah, I do like it. See, there's one you're throwing a little, you're throwing a wrench into it because as much as, like I said, I think Hamzat is the X factor. I like that you're saying Bilal is the biggest threat, and I don't disagree with you necessarily. I just think it's about him getting the opportunities because I, I've said for a long time, and I stand by this. I think Bilal can beat Hamzat. I really do. Like the pace that oh, yeah. dude keeps and the way he fights, like, and he's only getting better. I know people are going to say I'm crazy. I think that's a winnable fight for him. And yeah, I agree. And I mean, any fight's a winnable fight for Bilal, that's for sure, right? The um, Him fighting Usman is what I would love to see. And I'm not sure who – I'm like, I'm 50-50 on that fight. Like, I'm not totally convinced Usman beats Bilal Muhammad. That, that gets a tough fight for him. Um, you know, just again, it's just that pace, man. Like, Bilal keeps such a pace, has a great chin, keeps coming forward, keeps throwing punches, hits hard. Um, you know, he's not like a Colby where he's keeping a high pace, but it's kind of soft punches, kind of meaningless stuff that you can kind of disregard and, um, you know, not really worry about. Um, you, know, you know, Colby will do, you know, so many different shots until he finally gets it. And, um, whereas Bilal is like, I mean, he's a high pace uh, workhorse, man, you know, and, and he's a truck. So he's coming hard the whole time. So uh, I think he poses a lot of threats. Uh, for every single person in this division. And I want to see him fight Usman. I love that you say that. I love you say that because Bilal does not get enough credit. I, you know, I've been on the, I've been on the Bilal bandwagon for a long time. And I, I didn't mention him only because he just, they keep not giving him the opportunities. It's a, it's a horrible. Like it, like every, they're obsessed with making Colby and Hamza. Well, clearly the fight hasn't been made. So make Hamza and Bilal make that yeah. fight, you know, or make Colby and Bilal make one of those fights, give him one of those fights to give him the chance to become a champion. You know what I mean? Like they keep kind of discounting him. It's a huge mistake. Huge. Everyone was picking Sean Brady to beat him. What are you doing? Knocked him out in the second round. Stop, yeah. stop doubting Bilal Muhammad. And and to be honest, before Hamza fought Gilbert Burns, I probably would have picked Hamza to beat Bilal. At this point, I'd be like 60-40 for Bilal. Like Bilal and Gilbert are, are very similar, like body types and uh, the kind of way they throw punches and stuff. But Bilal keeps a much higher pace and stays a little bit more disciplined in his approach. So I think Bilal beats Hamza. And I'm 50-50 with him beating Usman. I think it's a, that'd be, that's a really close fight that I think goes to a decision and is a really is probably a really, really tough call for the judges. Yeah, I like it. So biggest threat, Bilal Muhammad. I love that call. That's amazing. I dig that call a lot. Uh I'm saying I'm saying Usman only because again, I think he's gonna beat Leon in the rematch yeah. and then 
If a motivated Kamaru's there, I still think he's the best welterweight in the world. So I'm going to stick with my pick of Usman. But yeah, I love it. I love the yeah, Bilal's kind of. With, with, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm sticking with Usman's the champion at the end of the year. Bilal, biggest threat to Usman. And, uh, you know, but I'm I'm actually, I'm cheering for Leon, man. I hope I hope he can pull it out. I hope he can beat Usman and, uh, and, and you know, get some uh, more exciting fights out of him. I love the way he fights, man. He is just a, a masterful fighter, and I think he's a beautiful striking. And uh, uh, taking down Usman was one of the most surprising things I've ever seen. I think he's yeah. the first guy to take down Usman, if I'm, if I'm not yep. wrong. First and, guy. And brilliant takedown, brilliant timing. Uh, brilliant way to do it. And uh, um, when you're doing things like that in there, uh, nobody can discount what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Only a couple divisions left to talk about, Matt. Let's talk about lightweight, where Islam Makachev is champion. Of course, we already know he's got his next fight booked in February against featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, I said this when the fight first got made. I think Alexander Volkanovsky is a monster, and I think he may he has the potential to become the greatest featherweight of all time. Like that's how good I think Alexander Volkanovsky is. That being said, I don't know. There's a lightweight on the planet right now that beats Islam Makachev. Like I, I like, I think Volkanovsky is probably the biggest threat to that because Volkanovsky is an incredibly good striker and has shown good takedown defense in the past. And he's really good at scrambling and things like that. But I love Justin Gaethje. I love Dustin Poirier. But ultimately, here's what I'm, here's my prediction, Matt. Islam Makachev is still the champion at the end of 2023. But the biggest threat to Islam Makachev, in my opinion, is not Alexander Volkanovsky just because he's next. The biggest threat, in my mind, is Benil Dariush, the guy that everyone forgets about, the guy that doesn't go out there and say crazy things on the microphone to get attention. He doesn't call people out. He doesn't say stupid things to make you pay, make you, make you get, give him headlines. But this dude is a freaking, the way he dismantled Matush Gamrot was unbelievably impressive. The way he's gone out there and done it time and time again. I'm picking Makachev to stay champion. But if there's one guy I could see giving him a bigger challenge, and I'm, I'm saying this honestly, Matt, gives him a tougher fight than, than Gaethje, gives him a tougher fight than Poirier, gives him a tougher fight than Chandler, Connor, down the list. It's Benil Dariush. What about you? Yeah, and I thought that um, I was going to pull out Benil Dariush and you was going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you again. I think Benil Dariush is by far uh, the biggest challenge for him. Uh, and then the only other dark horse that I would add to that, uh, but I don't think he'll get a title shot this year, is Michael Chandler. Like, I think he's a tough matchup for Islam Malkachev. Um, I just don't think he'll get the title shot. So it's kind of irrelevant anyway. But I think Chandler is probably one of the tougher matchups for Malkachev. He's just got to, um, you know, somehow get a title shot, <laughs> which is, you know, he's the type of guy where he's, it's possible, right? Like he's one fight away from getting a title shot. It seems like all the time. So, uh, but yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Benil Darius by far. I mean, stylistically, you know, um, his, his ability to grapple and uh, great striking and um, just, you know, like you say, he's, he's not an outspoken guy. So, um, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm picking Islam to beat um, uh, Volkanovsky and hopefully Daniil gets the fight, but yeah, I think Islam still is the champion at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think I think I think Islam if he gets past Benil if they fight and he beats Benil 
It's going to be I, I, like I, who else? Like I just and I, listen. This is not a knock on on Gaethje or 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 Poirier or any of the young guys coming up. But as long as Islam is motivated and he wants to be champion, if he gets past Benil Darius, I don't know that anybody beats him. Like, I know, I listen, I understand it's a sport. Weird things happen up, so I get all that. I'm saying, like, on paper, I don't yeah. see anyone to beat. Like, I think Benil's the only guy left that really gives him a true challenge for the guys we have in that division right now. Right now. Now, that can change. You know what I mean? You get guys coming up, new guys. I understand all that. But right now, if I'm speaking right now, I think Benil's the biggest threat. And he may be the only threat in my mind. Like, I just don't see anybody yeah. else. Because, again, the way that Gaethje fights, the way that the Poirier fights, they're going to end up on their backs eating punches and, and, and you know, having a freaking brick wall on top of them named Islam Makachev. I like the Chandler pick, but I, I don't think Chandler gets a title shot. I don't think he's ever going to – I don't think Chandler's ever going to get outside of himself to do what – you know, we, we ran the article on MMA fighting this weekend the, the, from the past podcast where he said he, he fights like Arturo Gatti and he could be Floyd Mayweather. I 100% agree, and I don't think he's ever going to change that, so I don't think he's ever going to get there. Like, I just don't. Like, I, I love Michael Chandler. I adore that dude. But he can't – if he can't beat Poirier and he can't beat Gaethje – and he can't beat Oliveira, hypothetically. Oliveira, as he fought him, th- that's just a wall too much. Like I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's enough other fights for him to get and win that would get him to Islam Makachev. I just don't. No, yeah, that's exactly that was my point. But I do think stylistically, he's one of the tougher fights for Islam if he ever is to be able to get a title shot. And like I say, he's kind of with that guy that's always one fight away. Like you kind of never know. Like he might just you know beat somebody and get a title shot. You know. Um, which is kind of crazy to think, but um, yeah. And, you know, just going down the list, I'm not seeing anyone that really, you know, the problem is Islam just has such dominating grappling that it's like, you don't see every, all these guys could beat him, but, but who can grapple with them? No one. So it's like, (laughs) you know, how do you pick anybody? No one, none of these guys can grapple at the level that he's grappling at. Uh, uh, You know, if anybody can stop his takedown, there's a lot of guys on this on the top 15 that I picked to beat him. They're just not stopping his takedown though. Yeah, I, I like he is his own guy, but in, you know he is. I mean, a lot of he is Khabib 2.0. Like nobody could stop Khabib. Islam is very much the same kind of guy. You know what I mean? And and you know, and it's just I just again I just don't see anyone doing that right now. Maybe it'll change down the road, but right now I just don't. And again, Benil to me is the only guy. I think Benil's like the biggest threat. And the guy who could beat him, I think Benil could beat Islam Makachev. Right now, yeah. I would still pick Islam, but he could beat him. I would. That's like sixty forty. Like that's a. But everyone else, it's like eighty twenty. You know, what I mean? everyone else is like ninety ten. Like I'm one hundred percent on on Makachev. Yeah, yeah, you know, Poirier's got a puncher's chance. Yeah, Gaethje's got a puncher's chance. That's it. Like I don't see them beating. Yeah. But and, Deni- and Benil, Benil, Benil's got a legit shot. Yeah, he's got a shot. Like, he can grapple and grapple very, very well. Can he grapple with Islam? Well, that's what we have to watch when they fight, right? I don't think he can. That's why I'm with you. I'm 60-40 probably um, uh, on Islam. But, you know, it's just a tall order, man. When someone has that grappling, that's superior. Um, Just like Khabib, you know, it's just a tall order. But um, if you can survive there on the ground and, you know, wear the guy a little bit. and The thing is, we know, you know, the the thing with Benil and – you know, so many of these guys like uh, where Islam and Khabib also where they where we all see their weaknesses, they're striking. Right. But it's like, how can you keep it in that striking uh, game? Um, and we know that if Benil can find a way to get it into that striking game, 
that he has a really good chance then, and he probably wins that battle. It's just a matter of keeping it there, and that's a that's a tall order. But I think we all say that because you know we think he he can probably survive better than these other guys on the ground. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, two last divisions. One, I think we'll take this real quick, and we'll kind of get in the last one, which I'm going to leave uh, save bands and wait for last featherweight. Volkanovski is the champion. Of course, we already know he's fighting. Vol- we already know he's fighting Islam Makachev, and of course, the interim champion is going to be Josh Emmett taking on Yair Rodriguez. Uh, Max Holloway still out there. Of course, Max isn't getting another shot against Volkanovski. We already know that. Arnold Allen is out there. Um, Matt, I'm being honest here because we know Volkanovski is probably only going to defend his title once this year because obviously he's got to fight with Makachev. Um, I like Yair. I like Josh Emmett. I don't think either one of them beats Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, Arnold Allen's a fun guy. I don't think he beats uh, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, Volkanovsky remains champion in 2023 because a, he's only going to probably end up fighting for the title one time this year because he's going up to lightweight. So I still see Volkanovsky being the champion in the year. My biggest threat though, it's not Emmett. It's not Rodriguez. I already, I bet we're already on. Go ahead. Hey, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you say. <laughs> yep. There you there, go. Hey, we're on the same page on everything today. The first time ever. Yeah, Taporia yeah. is a yeah. monster. Taporia is the guy. Now, yeah. I just don't think he's gonna get a title shot this year, just because the way things are playing out. Yep. You know, Emmett or Rodriguez probably gonna get the title shot, and I don't think either one of them beats Volkanovski. So Volkanovski is still the champ, and. Again, I love Yair. I love Josh Emmett. I don't see either one of them beating him. But Ilya Taporia is that dude. Yep. Right there with you. Um, I think between those two, um, I think Emmett beats Yair and is a tougher fight for Volkanovski than Yair. Um, But I'm right there with you. I don't think either one of them beats Volkanovski. It's just a tall order for either of them stylistically. Um, but Josh Simmons got that puncher's chance, right? Like he's the guy that um, when, you know, when he hits you, it freaking hurts every time. So, you know, I give him a shot, but I'm right there with you, man. Uh, Volkanovski, champ at the end of the year. Um, Ilya Tapora, biggest threat. Yeah, 2024. Well, how, how are we agreeing on every fucking division? <laughs> Like, what's going on today? I know. What is going on right now? This is weird. We never do that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think to, we, if we do the same podcast a year from now, then we'll have a different conversation about Toporia because then at that point, I think he is going to get the title shot and he may be the guy. You know what I mean? I just don't think he's going to – I just – the way things are – the way the cards are lining up, he's not going to get that shot this year. So he's just not going to have that chance. But yeah. long run, Toporia is the dude. Um all right, last division. We'll get out of here on this one, Matt. It is the bantamweight division. This is to me, and the reason I saved this, it may be the most intriguing division of all because you get Aljamain Sterling currently as champion. It sure looks like he's going to fight Henry Cejudo in his next title defense. But then you got Sugar Sean O'Malley out there. You got Corey Sanhagen fighting Cheeto Vera. Holy crap! What an amazing fight that's going to be. Yeah, um, I, this I'll, might I'll be, be the one division we finally disagree on. All right, so let's get into it. Who is the biggest threat to Aljamain Sterling right now as bantamweight champion? I think he beats all those guys you just mentioned. Um, I think the biggest threat, um, it might be a little surprising. It's either going to be number 10, Ricky Simon, or number 11, Umar Nurmagomedov. Wow, you're really going for the dark horse pick there. Yeah, Yeah, I think both of those guys – are very, very tough challenges for Aljamain. 
but just like we've been talking on this whole, you know, about every single division, it's about getting that title shot. And, um, but I, I think uh, either one of those guys is going to be champion in the next couple of years. I'm, I'm not sure between the two of them, which one is better. And maybe they end up fighting each other and we find out. Um, and also uh, one more that I didn't even think about also Pedro Munoz. Um, but I think he's probably got a tougher uh, run to the title shot than either of the other two. Um, but I don't think any of those top five guys uh, really give Al Jermaine a huge threat, to be honest. You know, it's funny. I think, honestly, I think the biggest threat to Al Jermaine in terms of weird stylistic matchups, honestly, is Cheeto Vera. Because Cheeto, Cheeto punches really hard, and he's got that ability to go down a couple rounds and just keep coming back. You, know, you see the fight with Rob Font. He just keeps coming. Dominic Cruz. You know, Cruz wins a round, doesn't bother him, doesn't phase him. He comes out and knocks his head off in the fourth round, third round, whatever it was. Same thing with Rob Font. Just beats the ever-loving hell out of Rob Font after Rob Font kind of has a quick start. Um I like Henry Cejudo. I think Henry Cejudo is a legend. He's incredible. Being off two years, coming back against a guy like Aljamain, I just don't think he beats Aljamain. I just, Cejudo had a weird bantamweight career where he beat Marlon Marias and he had that win over Dominic Cruz, and I'm just not completely sold on him. I think I think Sean O'Malley is a really interesting matchup because if Sean can keep it on the feet, that's a fight Sean can win, but I just don't know if he can keep it on the feet because Aljamain is not going to sit there and play on the outside with Sean O'Malley. And I think on the ground, Aljamain's a better grappler. Um, he already fought Corey, and I love Corey. You will not find a bigger Corey Sanhagen fan in the world than this guy right here. I love Corey Sanhagen, but I don't think Corey's going to get that rematch. You know what I mean? Like I don't think he's already lost to him once, and Corey's lost to Peter, you know, Peter Jan. I don't think he's going to get that rematch right away, so I, I kind of take him out of the equation a little bit. I think Cheeto, Cheeto could be the most interesting matchup, but again, the grappling. I just Aljamain's grappling is wrestling, but the one you mentioned, I'm not going to name him as my biggest threat because I don't think he's going to get a title shot anytime soon. But I love the Umar Nurmagomedov pick. That's an interesting one because I Ricky Simone is good, but Ricky Simone has had some losses in there. I don't know that he's going to get there. Umar, though, Umar could be that guy. But I'm going to say, weirdly, I'm going to say Aljamain stays champion through Cejudo and O'Malley. So by that line, I got to say Aljamain stays champion because I think he beats Cejudo and I think he beats O'Malley. Is that Cejudo? I didn't think it was booked yet. It's not done yet, but it looks like it's going to happen. Looks like it's going to happen March, April is what they're talking about. So if it happens, I think Aljamain beats Cejudo. I think Aljamain beats Sean O'Malley. I I didn't take into account the Cejudo fight because I thought that that was kind of just, I don't know, they they were just kind of talking. You know, Cejudo likes to talk a lot, right? Kind (laughs) of keep himself in every conversation. So I kind of figured he was just talking. I didn't know that that was a real... Uh, true chance of that happening and i'm gonna go opposite of you finally on the on the podcast and i think Sahuda beats aljamain pretty soundly really yeah interesting yeah i i do i think he's got tremendous boxing and uh really good um obviously the amazing wrestling i don't think i don't think aljamain's gonna be able to get him down and I think he's just got better boxing, better stand-up. I mean, yeah. he's very disciplined with stand-up and um, stays tight and strong. And, 
yeah, so I'm gonna go with Cejudo on that. You think so? And you say soundly, Seth. You're not thinking it's gonna be like a back and forth battle. You think Cejudo no. beats him pretty pretty convincingly? Yeah, I think he beats him relatively easily. Wow, that's a strong statement right there. I I love Henry Cejudo. I think he's a monster. He's an all time great. And my problem is is the time off. I just wonder like what because like he was retired. He wasn't just out for injury, and he wasn't just out because he couldn't get a fight. He was retired. How much has he been in the gym? How much work was he putting in to keep himself sharp? Um, you know, I, again, those are questions, and I, I, I think I personally think Aljamain beats him right now. Maybe that would be different if if Henry had come back and gotten a win over a Cheeto Vera or Corey Sanhagen, and then we're getting the title fight. Maybe we'd have a different conversation, but. Um, I think Aljamain beats him right now, but I like that pick because Henry Cejudo, like I said, Cejudo at his best, man, Cejudo's one of the best pound for pound guys in the world. Like he beat Demetrius Johnson, very close fight, I know, but he has a win over Demetrius Johnson. He beat Marlon Marias. He beat Dominic Cruz. Um, I wish he had stuck around. It kills me he retired because I think if he had stuck around, he may be the number one pound for pound guy in the world right now. And, you know what I mean? But I, don't, I like that though. You're convinced. You're convinced he's going to beat Aljamain. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I wasn't sure that that fight was going to happen, man. I, I really, because you hear Cejudo talking all the time. Man. <laughs> he's always some shit about coming back or fighting this guy. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, he he likes to talk. So I didn't think that fight was going to happen. So I would certainly put him down as the biggest threat. And if we're talking about champion at the end of the year, then I'm gonna go with Cejudo. Yeah, you know, he's go. gonna beat Aljamain and, and he destroys um uh Sean O'Malley. Now I like Sahuda to beat Sean O'Malley. I do like him to beat I do like him. I think I think I think Aljamain's the biggest threat to Henry, weirdly. Yeah. But I think Henry yeah. beats O'Malley. I think Henry beats Cheeto. I think Henry beats I mean, I don't think anyone else really beats Henry. I think Aljo's the one guy who can give Henry a challenge, honestly, in this division right now, until you talk about like an Umar Nurmagomedov coming up, you know, as like another grappler, you know, great, yeah. intense grappler. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think Aljamain is like the one guy who will, who will give Henry a challenge because I don't know anyone else does. Like Henry is that good. Like Henry can beat Cheeto. Henry can beat Sanhagen. Henry can beat... O'Malley, I, I like Sean. I think Sean proved a lot of people, you know, wrong. And I, I know we're forgetting a little bit about Piotr Jan out there because he he has the loss. I mean, obviously, you're not going to forget about him for too long when he books another fight. But yeah, Sahuda's an interesting one. I don't, I don't think you're. I just, I go the other way. I think Aljamain beats him. But if Aljamain loses to Sahuda, I don't think anyone else is going to beat Sahuda. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. That makes it tough. Then and th- then I think you are going down to the. Uh, lower part of the division with the Umar, Ricky Simon, Pedro Munez guys, um, um, even Sedner, my matter of, I mean, you know, you're you just, you're looking at uh, pretty, there's so much talent in this division. I mean, you could look at like the top 25 guys and, and there's guys that could come up and uh, make a splash. And then the only other guy that I don't know if I'd say is the biggest threat, but certainly a guy that is a threat is Marab however you say his last name. Dewalshvili, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Marab. Yeah, I think he's certainly a threat. I, I would I would favor Aljamain, but I do think he is a threat. Maybe not the biggest threat, but he is a threat for sure. Yeah, Marab, well, and Marab and Aljamain have said they'll never fight. They're teammates, they're close friends, and I respect that. You know, Marab, 
Oh, I didn't you know, even know that. Yeah, Marab. I think Marab is an interesting one because I, I kind of take him out of the equation while Aljamain's champion because they won't fight each other. And Aljamain said, "I'll eventually just go to featherweight and let Marab, you know, have bantamweight, and that's fine." Mm-hmm. Um, Marab's the other dude. Marab's the other guy that could be a challenge for anybody. Um, it's just a matter of you know what's he gonna avoid or what's he gonna what's it gonna take for him to not want to fight Aljamain? If if Inner Cejudo beats Aljamain. Marab and Cejudo's interesting. That's a real interesting yeah. matchup. You know, that's a really interesting fight. Yep, I'm right there with you. So, uh, it, you know, but I, I also, I think, um, I, like, I would love to see Marab and Ricky Simon. Um, you know, there, there's a, man, what a great division. There's just so many great matchups all the way down, just looking at these, just the top 15, man. Dude, I mean, there's just some, and then, you know, you even got guys like Chris Gutierrez in there and Adrian Yanez, who, I'm a huge Adrian Yanez fan. This guy oh, yeah. is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of him being able to deal with some of these uh, uh, wrestlers like Ricky or Al Jermaine or Marab and um, even Jack Shore. I mean, he's looked tremendous. I mean, God, you just got such a killer division here. Yeah, absolutely. But you're sticking with Cejudo. You're going with the Cejudo pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cejudo, I'm picking very soundly to win that fight. Wow, I like it. I like it. Well, we'll see. Well, we, we agree on a lot of stuff. We'll have to come back this time next year and see who was right, who was wrong. I think uh, if we're both wrong, it'll be interesting because we agree on a lot of stuff in this podcast. So yeah. uh, we'll be back next week. Of course, we kind of re-kick off the uh, schedule for 2023 with the UFC next week. Of course, we got uh, the fight with uh, um, Calvin Gaslam taking on Nasser Dean Imavov. That card's coming up. Uh, so we'll have to talk about that, of course. The Glover Teixeira, Jamal Hill card's coming up. So we'll have a lot to talk about with that. Uh, Matt, you want to give a shout out what else you got going on out there people that want to support you outside of the podcast man you know how i roll bro on social media on the regular bro i I am the immortal on instagram and twitter facebook matt the immortal brown the immortal coffee.com best coffee you ever had make coffee not excuses um yeah we're, we're putting in some work man Love it. Love it. We'll be back next week with another edition of the fighter versus the rider. Enjoy the 2023 preview. We'll be back talking about current events uh, next week. So thank you for that. Want to say a big thank you to everyone who tunes into the podcast each and every week. And we'll see you next week for another edition of the fighter versus the rider. Thanks for tuning in. See you then. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible 
eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.